Bibles and turn with me to Zechariah chapter 7. That was beautiful. Looking forward to the Christmas season, what we have planned for you. Of course, this evening at 5, I will be preaching the first of several Christmas messages uh, to our church. Uh, next Sunday, I'll, I'll, I'll begin uh, next Sunday morning some Christmas messages leading up through Christmas. Today will be the last message I preach in Zechariah for this month. We'll continue preaching through Zechariah. Um, in January, and we'll just take a break due to the um, Christmas season, and we'll preach a few of those messages uh, to you. I, I uh, as studying Zechariah chapter seven, I, I could not wait to preach this to our church because what of really what God did in my heart uh, this week. I was flying uh, on an on an airplane this week, and I sat down, and uh, of course, you know, in the airport, I didn't have much time between uh, flights. I, I stopped by. Chick-fil-A, and I picked up some uh, Chick-fil-A uh, sandwich, and um, I picked up a couple other little things and, and jumped on the plane, sat in my seat. I'm, I'm going to enjoy this meal. Well, here comes a, a well-dressed man, sat down beside me, and uh, he, um, we started talking, and, and I said, what do you do for a living? And he said, I'm a, I'm a heart surgeon, and uh, with, with uh, I think it was Cincinnati, uh, one of the ch- hospitals there in Cincinnati, a very prestigious heart surgeon. And I told him what I did, and we began to tell. He said, "Well, I wrote an article recently, and he said I'd like to, um, let, you know, give you this magazine and this heart surgeon or this doctor's magazine." And uh, he said, "It's not really one that's published. It's really internally for other for other surgeons and and different folks that, that work with hearts." He said, "But I want to give you this. I wrote this article. Well, the the article had to do with heart disease." And I started reading just a few lines in and basically talking about doing away with fatty foods. And I'm sitting there eating a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And <laughs> I'm reading it. And the more I read it, the more I'm you know, starting to chew less and not enjoy the sandwich that I had just paid for. I was starving. And I was going to enjoy this sandwich and, and uh, try to make my next connection. And here this guy gives me this, this magazine condemning eating what I was eating. And so I just closed the magazine up and stuck it in my book bag and said, I'll read that later. I'm going to finish this sandwich. And of course, um, you know, I'm kidding just a little bit, but, but in, a, in a sense, I'm, I'm, I'm serious in the fact that, uh, you know, heart disease is a real thing. We know that. That's why a lot of times you'll go to the doctor and, and you'll get checked up. They'll check your cholesterol and check your blood sugar and uh, check your um, uh, blood pressure and all the other signs and different things, and they'll start they'll start uh, giving you uh, some things to make you more healthy. Regard, whatever you're dealing with, they, they can kind of get you on the straight and narrow if you, if you listen. And, 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 and in a sense, uh, dealing with the spiritual side, there is such a thing as, as spiritual heart disease. Uh, we, we talk about physical heart disease, and that is uh, very seldom does anybody recover from or, or live a very long time with heart disease because heart failure is a real thing, and, and without your heart beating properly and beating right and, and pumping the blood through your, through your arteries and, and uh, your veins and getting it to the places that need the blood, uh, then you will eventually uh, pass away. The heart is an important muscle. It's an important thing. In the spiritual sense... Spiritual heart disease is equally as important or maybe more important. And there's a lot of people who suffer from spiritual heart disease. I think Zechariah chapter 7 is dealing with uh, this malady, this 
disease. And I want you to notice in Zechariah chapter 7, in verse number 1, here's what the Bible says. It says, And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Darius that the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah in the fourth day of the ninth month, even in Kesleth, which is the month of December. So the fourth day of the of the uh, the the fourth year of Darius's reign. So this would be December the fourth. Uh, you can you can date it back. Of course, today's December the third. I find that uh, interesting. Uh, so five thirty one B.C. This would have been a long time ago, but we can date that. See the visions, uh, Zechariah chapter one through chapter six. They were just one night, eight visions, one night. Uh, and we know that we don't really know the dates of these visions, but we do know the date of Zechariah chapter seven because we can go by Darius's reign, and we can go by that in in the sense. So look at verse number two. And when they had sent unto the house of God, which is Bethel, Sherezer, and Regimelech, and their men to pray before the Lord and to speak unto the priests which were in the house of the Lord of hosts and to the prophets, saying, Should I weep in the fifth month, separating myself, as I have done these so many years? Now this was their question. Should we weep? Should we fast? Like we've been fasting in the fifth month, separating myself, or fasting from food, fasting from pleasure, as I have done so many years. This was their question to Zechariah and to the to the prophets, if you will. Now look, notice verse number four. Then came the word of the Lord uh, of hosts unto me. So the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those seventy years did ye at all fast unto me, even to me? And when did you did and when you did eat, and when you did drink, did not ye eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Should ye not hear the words which the Lord hath cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity and, and the cities thereof round about her when men inhabited the south and the plain? And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment and show mercy and compassions on every man to his brother. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, nor the stranger, or the stranger, nor the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to hearken. Notice that in verse 11. They refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ear that they should not hear. And yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone. You see what their heart became? An adamant stone, a flint a hardened rock. Their, their hearts, when it should be soft for the Lord, it became very hard and corroded and corrupt and hard and rebellious. And so, and it says, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts hath sent in his spirit by the former prophets, therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. I want to preach this morning with God's help on spiritual heart disease, spiritual heart disease. Now, here's what I want you to do. Pretend that we're in a doctor's office. I have a doctor's appointment in the morning at 1130. And I'm really, it was, it's really a recheck from my appointment about two months ago. And what she's going to do is she's going to take what she told me and she's going to see if I have been doing what she told me to do. Now, I'm not looking forward 
to that, uh, that uh, I'm feeling okay, but I'm not looking forward to it because she's going to find things and then she's going to ask me questions. What's your diet been like? And have you been doing this? Have you been taking this supplement? Have you been? And so here's my deal. She can tell by certain tests. And I'm not looking forward to the results because I can't change them. Tests don't lie. Amen. And so we're going to see this morning as we are sitting in the doctor's office and letting God examine our hearts as he knows them and see where we're at today as the nation of Israel was in Zechariah's day. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach for a few minutes this morning. I pray that you will bless your word as you promised to do. Lord, I pray that you will speak in a mighty way. And Lord, we'll be sure to give you the glory for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Zechariah chapter 7 tells us that there's two years had passed since Zechariah's eight night visions. Uh, Zechariah chapter 1 verse 7 all the way to Zechariah chapter 6 verse 8. Two years then at the end of of Zechariah 6 and to the beginning of Zechariah chapter 7, they're working on rebuilding the temple and and construction is moving along. We know that they're halfway through, according to Haggai and Ezra, it took uh, four years to build the temple. They're two years in. And so this delegation from Bethel comes down and they arrive at the house of the Lord and they ask a practical question of the priest and of Jerusalem the prophets, and they ask this this question. That This question is found in verse number 3. They said, should I weep in the fifth month, separating myself as I have done these so many years? Now, Zechariah replies in chapter 7. He replies in chapter 8. The question that they ask involved keeping certain Fast. There was at least four fasts mentioned, uh, possibly five, but four fasts we know of that the Jews were keeping in the 70 years of captivity in Babylon. We find the, that in verse 3, they mention a fast in the fifth month. And then in verse 5, uh, they mention a fast in the seventh month. In chapter 8, there's also a mention of two additional fasts, one in the fourth month and another in the tenth month. And they They were all related to the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. In the 10th month, Nebuchadnezzar uh, besieged Jerusalem. In the 4th month, he penetrated the city. In the 5th month, the temple was burned with fire. And in the 7th month, Gedaliah was a Jewish governor. He was assassinated uh, and uh, the remnant fled. We see that in 2 Kings chapter number 25. For the past 68 years, the Jews had observed these dates as fast. But now that the temple is being uh, reconstructed and the walls are being rebuilt, this delegation comes from Bethel and they wondered whether they should continue to observe these fast. Now his answer, Zechariah's answer, addresses both this delegation and the whole nation in verse number 5. He points out that the Lord has scattered their ancestors to Babylon and because of their spiritual heart disease, the hardening of their spiritual hearts is what he says in verse 12. He also indicates that the disease may be hereditary. Now that's a bad deal. The remnant had returned from captivity and was showing uh, some initial symptoms that they needed to confront 
to avoid disease themselves. I want to say this in prefacing the message. Outward religion without inward reality results in spiritual heart disease. I'll say that again. Outward religion without inward reality results in spiritual heart disease. You say, Pastor, how do we avoid this disease this morning? Hey, I'm going to give you a few things this morning as a doctor. Now, you know good and well, I am not a doctor at all. I uh, don't go to the doctor that much. I happen to be going in the morning just for a checkup. I don't go that much. I feel pretty good. I try to take care of myself. But 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 boy, if my doctor even alluded to the fact that my heart was starting to to uh, uh, fail and to maybe I was having some, some issues with my heart, you better believe that I would try to do the very thing that they tell me to do uh, to keep myself alive as long as I possibly can in that sense. And so I'm going to give you some spiritual things that, that you may can do to avoid spiritual catastrophe. The first thing that we do in order to avoid uh, the spiritual heart disease is this. Outward religion is a danger for all of God's people. Remember, outward religion is a danger for all of God's people. See, this Jewish remnant had been uh, meticulous in keeping the fast, but their hearts were not in it. They had become an outward ritual, but an inward reality of walking with God. It was fading. And the God who examines the hearts, here's what he said in Hosea. He said, I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice and the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And so Zechariah says, check your spiritual health. Hey, examine yourselves. And our text reveals three warning signs that spiritual heart disease may be taking place in this outward religion. The first thing that I come to is a man-made religion. Man-made. And here's what that says. It says we focus on rules and rituals that are not ordained by God. We focus on rules and rituals that are are not ordained by God. And I find it ironic, but true to human nature, that these people were concerned about something that God had not commanded, but at the same time, they were neglecting what God had commanded. That's just like a Pharisee. A Pharisee would take rules and rituals, and they would focus on those things, but they would neglect on what God had put in his word. And that's a danger. When we have the outward religion right, we look good in front of everybody, but on the inside, we're not walking with God, we're not talking to him, We're not living it out. We're not living our Christian walk out. And we just have an outward uh, look and we look like we have everything together. That is a dangerous place to be. And God had told Israel to keep, uh, God had not told Israel to keep these fasts. Nowhere in scripture do I see that God had said, Israel, you need to fast at this time and you need to fast at this time. The only time that I see God ever telling Israel to fast is the day of atonement. And I think Leviticus chapter 23, we call it Yom Kippur. It was a time when they atoned for the sins of Israel. They repented and they sat in sackcloth and ashes for their sins. There wasn't anything wrong with fasting. There's nothing wrong with fasting on these other days, maybe to confess sin and and pray for the restoration of the nation. But God had not commanded these days 
as fast. He had commanded them to do justice, to, to, to love, to kindness, to walk humbly with their God. But here's what they were doing. They were dodging what God's clear commands were while keeping their man-made fast. Let me just say, uh, that's a danger when we keep the man-made religion and the outward appearance We're prone to do the very same thing that these Jews were doing. Many Christians get hung up about keeping rules and rituals that the Bible does not command while they neglect dealing with their hearts before God. They're judged uh, other Christians by maybe their own checklist, but they tolerate sins like pride and gossip and greed in their own hearts. They have a list of behaviors to make you either a spiritual Christian or a worldly Christian. My friend, I I don't see list in the Bible that you're supposed to keep in a checklist and make sure everybody's obeying the list and the rules. What I do see is a living book that gives us from cover to cover exactly the way to live. And if it's not in the Bible, you need to take your list and throw it away. These Jews coming back from Bethel, they were concerned about keeping something that God never told them to keep. And the problem is their rules and regulations was not a command from God. Here's the the first thing we said, man-made. We focus on rules and rituals that are not ordained by God. But secondly, motions. You ever heard someone say, I'm just going through the motions? You ever heard someone talk about, hey, are you just going through the motions? You just act, you're acting it, but you doesn't, it doesn't feel like your heart is in it. Well, this is the second thing, motions. We go through meaningless activities in the name of spirituality. We go through meaningless activity in the name of spirituality. Now notice, look at verse number three of of Zechariah chapter seven. Just keep those Bibles open or whatever you're looking at on God's word. And notice what the Bible says in verse three. And to speak unto the priest which were in the house of the Lord... Of host, and to the prophets saying, Should I weep in the fifth month separating myself as I have done these so many years? Now, there is more than a hint of weariness in those last three words in verse number three. Notice the last three words in verse number three so many years. It looks like to me that their question had a little bit of weariness tied with it. I've been doing this so many years. Now think about it. For 68 years, the Jews had been fasting at least four to five times a year. I mean, when they fasted, they fasted. It wasn't that they got a little shake from, from uh, uh, Smoothie King and, and uh, you know, they, they were able to, to fudge a little bit and, and to, well, I'm fasting from Culver's or I'm fasting from Chick-fil-A. No, 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 they fasted. They went without food. Did I just make you hungry? It's bad when you can see Culver's from over there, and it ain't going to be long before we see Chick-fil-A over here. Good thing about it is they're not going to be open on Sunday. Hallelujah. I'm not competing against it. But you understand, fasting 
uh, these, these, they sat in sackcloth and ashes. They went without food. They would drink a little bit of water, but they, they were fasting. It was a difficult thing. I don't know about you, but if you ever fast, and maybe for health reasons, there's some health benefits of fasting. It is not an easy thing. Some people may say, well, I don't get that hungry. Let me tell you something. I get hangry. I don't get hungry. If I miss a meal, uh, you can tell it. I just, I just tell you right now, I like to eat, and I like to eat when I eat. I mean, I have certain times that I like to eat. And when I'm fasting, it is a difficult thing. And you can see the weariness in their voice and hear the weariness in their voice because they say, we've been doing this for so many years. Hey, 68 years is a long time. Not only did they do it, but their fathers did it. And maybe even their grandfathers, they did it. So we're doing this now. Our heart is not in it. And we need to be careful not to confuse what is biblical and thus may never be set aside with what is a man-made and may be set aside. So a lot of times people set aside good things and they, they set them aside. Listen, we cannot set aside Bible reading. And we cannot set aside prayer. And we cannot set aside the Lord's Supper. Why? Because those have been commands that are clearly given to us. And we may not set them aside. But there's other things that the church does that, listen, we're, we're doing and we're doing it and we're doing it. And you know what? We do it because it is tradition or we do it because it's man-made. And I'm not saying that all traditions are wrong. They're not. So I love, I'm a traditional guy. I love traditions. But you understand, if we get caught up in what is man-made and not what is in the mandate, we've got a problem. A lot of churches get caught up in the, a lot of the programs and a lot of the traditions. And honestly, if you were to ask them why they do what they do, they don't even know. I talk to a lot of pastors who take new churches and here's what they say. Pastor, I just took a church that's been doing the same thing for 40 years and they don't even know why they do it. They're afraid to change the carpet. They're afraid to paint a wall. Why? Because the previous pastor didn't. Well, then the previous pastor didn't do that. And then the previous pastor didn't do that. Before you know it, you've got a generation of people that just don't do nothing. Why? They're afraid to. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It holds churches back. It holds Christians back. And there's a lot of Christians that are doing a lot of things. And guess what? They're not necessarily bad things, but they've not been mandated by God. And you call it spiritual. And you've got your list laid out. And guess what? You're checking that list and you're checking it twice. And you're trying to find out if you've been naughty or nice. And then here's what else you do. You'll take that list and you start comparing your list to other people's list. Oh, they're sitting in this room. There's people in here who's got a list a mile long. And you sit and you're just got your little spiritual gauges on and you're just judging everybody else by that. Well, they're not as spiritual as we are. Hey, pal, I'm not interested in your outward appearance. God is interested on the heart. I think we're just going to be a little surprised we get to heaven to see who the real Christians were and those that were going through the motions. Oh, listen, friend. Motions can be meaningless. They are meaningless. We may grow weary of reading our Bible and praying every day. And even the Lord's Supper at times, we may go through and get weary, but we are not free to stop doing these things because God has commanded us. Listen, I know that we can't go in Scripture and say that God said read our Bible every day, but can I tell you something? I know me and I know my flesh, and I know this Bible is a light unto my path. 
It's a God. And listen, I need light every day. This is a dark world. I need to open up the lamp of God's word. It's a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And when I start neglecting the light, I'll stumble. I need the Bible every day. It doesn't tell us that we ought to read a certain amount every day. It doesn't tell us to read the Bible through in a whole year, though those are good things. But can I tell you something? Don't get mechanical on God. This is, this is uh, going through the motions, checking a box, I read my Bible today, check. I prayed today, check. I, I observed the Lord's Supper today, check. I witnessed to somebody, check. I went to church today, check. That is a checkbox Christian. And after 68 years, you'll come in and say, man, I'm weary. I'll just say this, you'll do that way before 68 years. If God is not in it. Can I say number three, there's another thing that we can avoid a spiritual heart disease, avoiding this disease. We need to know these things. First, we know man-made. Secondly, we know motions. But thirdly, we know motive. We need to ask why we do what we do spiritually. Notice verses 5 and 6 of, of Zechariah chapter 7. And the angel answered and said unto me, these are the four, oh, no, that's the wrong chapter, but it's still a good verse. Amen. Now, look, notice verse number 5. I was reading last week's message. Still a good Verse 5, speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and the seventh month, even those seventy years, did ye at all fast unto me, even to me. Now notice verse number 6, And when ye did eat and when ye did drink, did not ye eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Do you understand that the Lord asked these questions? God who sees the hearts, he saw that they weren't doing the feast or the fast uh, for the Lord. They were just doing them for themselves. And can I make a statement this morning, and you might want to write this down, outward religion is always done for the person doing it. Outward religion is always done for the person doing it and not to glorify the Lord. And that is a dangerous, dangerous thing. You remember when Jesus confronted the Pharisees about their practices in their religion before men, they were to be noticed. If you want to read over there for sake of time, I don't, I think it's over in Matthew chapter six. The Bible says that they fasted, but they let everybody know it. And when they prayed, they prayed publicly. They didn't pray in private. They prayed out in the street. They prayed with their face up to God. They prayed with this pious look. They lifted up their voice. And everybody said, ooh, what a spiritual man. This man fasted, and guess what they did? Hey, I can't eat that. I'm fasting. Hey, look at me. Look how sunken in my cheeks are. Look how pale my face is. I'm fasting. Guess what? When they reached in their pocket and they gave some money, them coins that they had during that time, they would throw it in the, the treasury there in the temple and cling, 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 cling. I gave. Look at what I gave. I just gave in the offering. I just prayed to God. I just fasted for the Lord. And guess what? Jesus confronted them because he was not impressed with how spiritual they were. It was an outward form. When they prayed, they, they prayed in public and made loud prayers. When they gave money, they wanted everyone to hear the coins jingle in the metal offering plates. But Jesus said, I'm not impressed with that. 
And he told them to camouflage their fasting so that no one would know what they were doing. And when they prayed, he said, you need to pray in secret. And when they gave, they shouldn't let their left hand know what their right hand is given. Hey, we should be Christians when no one else is looking. That's a true Christian, not an outward appearance. We need to examine our motives. So I said, number one, uh, to outward religion is a danger for all of God's people, including myself. Let me tell you something. I've been in the doctor's office all week. I've been studying this passage, and I've been asking myself the question, what is, are my motives right? Am I concerned about man-made rituals and rules? Am I going through the motions? Here's the second thing we need to remember. Outward religion leads to spiritual heart disease. Outward religion leads to spiritual heart disease. Now, outward religion without an inward reality with God leads to a spiritual hardening of the heart. This is exactly what happened to the ancestors in the remnant of Zechariah's day. He points that out in verses 7 through about verse number 14. And hear how this works. He, he, you get the religious system down pretty well, and you've, you've got a routine of living the Christian life. You're going through the motions. Your motives aren't right, but you're uh, oblivious to that. And that outward appearance is that you've got it together as a Christian, but it's mechanical. And we can fall into that category. It's not a real personal fellowship with God. It is just a mechanical, methodical thing that we do. We put our church clothes on. We walk in. We sing a few songs. We have our Bible. We, we go through the motions. How are you doing, brother? How are you doing, sister? All the while, you are withering away. Your heart is not right. I'm going to give you some signs, as a doctor would. I'm going to give you some signs this morning. Now pay attention. Signs that you are developing spiritual heart disease. Here's the first sign. It's found in verse number 11. Look at it with me. But they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. There's three things right there that tells us signs of developing spiritual heart disease. The first one is this, and write it down. Refusal to pay attention to God. The first thing it says in verse 11, but they refuse to hearken. That word hearken, it means to pay attention. When you see the word hearken or hark in the Bible, it's to be aware, pay attention to what's going on. And in verse 11, but they refused to pay attention to God. These words describe a generation that had been uh, sent into captivity into Babylon. And verse 11 kind of goes back to verse number seven. Because he opens up verse 7, should ye not hear the words which the Lord hath cried? The problem was they were avoiding the voice of God. They were not paying attention to what God was saying to them. They just turned a deaf ear. They turned a blind eye. They were not paying attention to what God had for them. And the, he even mentions the prophets. Look at it in verse 11, uh, or in verse uh, 7, I think it is. The prophets, 
that the, yeah, in verse seven, it says, should you not hear the words which the Lord hath cried by the former prophets? You say, uh, pastor, who were the former prophets? Well, think about this, Isaiah, Amos, Joel, Micah. I mean, some, some great prophets had been even before Zechariah. And he said, you wouldn't listen to them. You're not paying attention to the prophets. Uh, folks, listen, let me tell you something. There's a danger when you're not paying attention to God. Can I ask you this question this morning? Be sincere. Why do you come to church? Do you even know? If I were to stand out in the lobby and to ask each of you before you enter those double doors or however you got in here, if I were to ask you this morning, why do you come to church, what would you say? Well, I would think that you would say the probably the thing you should say, well, I come to worship God, but hold on a second. God knows your heart. Why do you truly come? Why do you truly come? Why do you get up in the morning and come to church? Is it to, to get the pastor off your back? Is it to maybe see a friend? Is it to maybe uh, exchange something in the parking lot? Is it to maybe you, you just want to see who came and you want to see another friend or you want to do something? Listen to me. God knows the heart and many will come to church and by the time they hit their car in the parking lot, they don't even remember what the preacher preached on. Let me say, if you cannot remember, it's not because you have poor memory, it's because you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. You're not, I'm talking to you teenagers, I'm talking to you in the corner, I'm talking to you over here in the sides, I'm talking to those in the lobby, I'm talking to those that, that uh, they hear, but they're not here. Let me tell you something, you're going to answer to God for your motives and your motions and your man-made rituals. You come because it's just the thing to do on Sunday. Let me say, we better be careful. Refusal to pay attention to God. Hey, can I say number two, refusal to submit to authority. Notice verse 11 again. He said, they refused to hearken, so that means paying attention, and pulled away the shoulder. It means they lowered their shoulder. We find that kind of language in Nehemiah chapter two, where, where they resisted. The expression of an ox refusing to accept the yoke, it's found in Nehemiah chapter 9 and Nehemiah chapter 2 and Hosea chapter 4. It is, I am not submitting to God's authority in my life. You know what we call that? We call that rebellion. You are your own authority. You are the boss of your life. You're not listening to nobody. You're not doing anything. Hey, can I say this? God has put in your life people to speak into your life. God has given you a pastor who studies the word and preaches the word and he's there to be your friend, to be your help. You say, well, pastor, I'm not exactly excited about this message this morning. Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's what we need. It's what I need. You, if your toes feel good every Sunday, then somebody ain't preaching. Oh, there's times you'll come this evening and hear Luke 2 and we'll hear about Mary and Joseph and we'll hear about uh, the, the Christmas story, which is a beautiful story. It's the greatest story ever told. I love it. It's wonderful. But can I tell you, every now and then, we just need to come in and rub the cat backwards and we need to just uh, preach, uh, just clear off a spot and open up God's word and we need to preach the word of God. And if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. But here's the deal. You don't leave the same way you came. And you remember what thus saith the Lord. And so we see there's a refusal to submit to spiritual authority. Don't submit to me. You're not saying, oh, pastor, I'm just going to give you the right to my life. No, no, that's dangerous. Don't, don't submit to me. God has placed me as pastor of the church. Just listen. Listen to when the Bible opens up. 
Listen, I have to submit authority. Who's your authority? My authority is God. Hey, the authority is God in heaven. I'm going to answer to God for even pastoring this church. I'm going to answer to God. And by the way, I pastor it with fear and trembling because of how real it is. Now, number three, we see there's a refusal to submit to authority, authority, but number three, refusal to hear God's word. Notice what in verse 11, and stopped their ears. You know what it means? They literally put their, their fingers in their ears that they should not hear. I was, a, I was probably a pastor here six months, maybe, here at Bible, down in the old building. And there was a woman, she was a visitor, but she came a couple times. I remember her coming a couple times. And when I would preach, she would take her fingers and stick them in her ears. Now, let me tell you something. I didn't do one thing for me except make me want to preach louder. She would. She said, right there and just do this. And, she, and at the end of the service, I said, ma'am, is there a problem? She said, well, you're just a little too loud. Now, here's what I say. I don't think that was the problem. The problem was, and I don't know that lady, maybe she had sensitive hearing, maybe it was, maybe it was, I don't know. She ought to sit in the very back. She was sitting right up here, right by a speaker, so it could have been. But I'll say this, listen, in a literal sense, if you sit there and you stick your fingers and you say, well, pastor, I'm not going to do that in here. Everybody think I'm crazy and you these. But there's some of you that in the spiritual sense have plugged them ears up and you're not listening to nothing. Nobody's telling you anything. That was the nation of Israel. Hey, Joel, go preach to them. Hey, Amos, go preach to them. Hey, uh, Isaiah, go preach to them. Hey, all the pro- Jeremiah, all the prophets, go preach. I mean, there were some good prophets, and guess what Israel would do? I ain't listening. Now they're in captivity. Now they were judged. They were refusing to listen. If I go to the doctor in the morning and the doctor looks at me and says, now, Steve, I'm going to tell you right now, you didn't listen the last time. It's right here. It's the test. You didn't listen the last time. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't listen this time, this is going to happen. I can walk out there and say, well, I'm going to get another doctor. That's what people do to the church. I'm getting another church. Why? Well, because I just don't feel loved anymore. No. No, that ain't it. Well, we're going to just shop around and look around and shop. We're going to be a shopper. No. Often you need to check and see if them ears are open. Because if a, if a man's preaching the Bible, you need to stay. It's hard to find. I'll be honest with you, it's hard to find a good doctor these days. It's harder to find a good church. That's good preaching, even if I am doing it. It's good preaching. We need it. I need it. It's hard to find a church that preaches line upon line and precept upon precept. Listen to me. We must preach the word. Now, you say, Pastor, I, I, I hear you. Here's the results. Stay with me. Here's the results. These are, these, if you choose to stick your fingers in your ears, if you choose not to listen, if you choose to say, I'm walking out and I'm going to find me another place, here's, here's the results. The results of spiritual heart disease is this. Your heart grows hard toward God's word. Look at verse 12. This is all in the Bible now. Look at it. Yea, verse 12, they made their hearts as an adamant 
stone. That word adamant means a hard stone or the hardest substance. Concrete, hard. Lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts hath sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. So guess what they, guess what happened? They had a choice. They could have softened their hearts. They could have submitted to uh, God's authority. They could have unplugged their ears. They could have paid attention. They could have done all these things and that heart could have had a chance. But when they refused to listen, Their heart grows hard toward God's word. It says it made their hearts like an adamant stone so that they could not hear. God's written or preached word. People with advanced spiritual heart disease seldom, if ever, pick up their Bible with the intent of submitting their hearts to its message. Very seldom. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an old school kind of guy. I still, I like it when a man or a woman brings their Bible to church. Now, I realize in today's society, you can get God's Word just about on anything, and I have no problem with that. But many times, people don't have their Bible available. They don't read their Bible. They're not reading it. They're just kind of living out the motions. They're, 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 they're avoiding it. And here's what happens when you're, when you start developing heart disease. The results of that is your heart just, it doesn't get any softer. It doesn't get any better. The heart grows more hard toward God's word. They don't want to hear a sermon that confronts their hypocrisy. They'll take a sermon like this, which to me, this is actually hard preaching. Uh, You know, some people look at hard preaching as preaching on, uh, you know, dress and preaching on drugs and preaching on abortion. And and, and yes, all those are, you know, you're going to get a rise and people's going to, yeah, you know, or whatever. But when you start preaching on pride and gossip and your heart and listening to God, it gets quiet. Because this is where we're at. I feel like when your heart is right, all the other things fall in line. I feel like when you get up for Sunday church, you're like, man, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to worship God with my fellow believers. I can't wait to sing praises to God. I can't wait to see what the preacher's going to preach on today. I can't wait. Hey, why? Because your heart is in tune with the Lord. The second thing is this, not only does your heart grow hard, but you incur God's fierce discipline. Boy, you don't want God to discipline us. God is a God of love and mercy and grace, and I thank God for that. He's a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. He loves us, but understand, God will judge. And it says it right here, look at verse number 12. So their hearts became as adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by spirit uh, by the former prophets. Notice this. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Do you see that? A great wrath came from the Lord. This is further described in verse 14, where he scattered them like a whirlwind. A tornado among the the nations. This is God's people had a hard heart against him. And when, when when you get pretty tough discipline to get their attention, it has to get pretty rough. Uh, I like what A.R. Fawcett said about this in this, this text. He said, hard hearts must expect hard treatment. 
The harder the stone, the harder the blow of the hammer to break it. By the way, if you sin and everything is going great, you're in really big trouble because you may not be one of God's true children. Number three, God is silent when you cry for help. Look at verse 13. Therefore, it has come to pass that as he cried and they would not hear, so they cried and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. So here's what happened. Judgment came and guess what people started doing? Oh, Lord, help. We're being scattered as a whirlwind. Lord, help. Everything is now in desolation. God, help. And he said, I'm not hearing that. Now, let me tell you something. Out of all the judgments that God does for him to stop listening to us, that is a big deal. They'll reach out for me. They'll extend a hand for me. I feel like America is in this state right now. It's, we're going to be crying out as a nation, and it's going to be too late. But child of God, can I tell you something? Listen to me. Don't let the judgment of God and the hardness of your heart get you to a point that when you do cry out for help and you say, God, oh, my life is in shambles. God, I need an answer to prayer. God, I need you to come through for me. And he's not there. The old phone lines back in the days when you try to call somebody on a landline, you'd get that, eh, 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 busy, not answering. Tried to call someone and it keeps going to voicemail, keeps ringing, going to voicemail. Hey, can I tell you, they're not going to answer. God's not going to answer. They'll not be able to hear your cry. Number four, God turns our prosperity into desolation. We find that in verse number 14. He said, I scattered them with a whirlwind among all nations whom they knew not. Thus the land was desolate. Now understand, they, this was a prosperous nation at one time. They, things were going great, but now it is desolate. This land had been pleasant. It had been comfortable to live in, but now it's desolate. It's shameful. Families are shattered. Bitterness and heartache and grief abound. It's never a pretty picture. I think the saddest thing may be God visiting our sins on our descendants. Notice... Verse 14, but I scattered them with a whirlwind among all nations whom they knew not. Thus the land was desolate after them that no man passed through or returned for they laid the pleasant land desolate. It was really, after 68 years, it was the children and the grandchildren of the guys with spiritual heart disease who were trying to pick up the pieces in Zechariah's day. Pastor, why do you preach the way that you do? Why are you so passionate about the scripture? Why do you preach an expositional message? Why do you, why do you uh, preach a message and you, you don't mince words? You just preach what thus saith the Lord. Why do you do that? Uh, I know this. I, I do it first to please the Lord, but secondly, I've got four children. And I want them to have a Bible preaching church. I want them to have a chance at hearing a message from the Bible. Listen, I know many of you, uh, and, uh, maybe you do know. I'm not sure, but there's some of you that don't. But you can't just walk into a church today and expect to hear God's Word. You cannot. I have the privilege of traveling some and getting to see all types of churches. 
And let me tell you something. We as a nation, as a whole, are in deep trouble spiritually. And I'll tell you the reason. It's not because of who's in the White House. That's judgment. That's the repercussion. It's not because of political uh, things. It's not because of things. Hey, it's the, because we stopped preaching the word of God. Churches have stopped preaching and people have stopped listening and they've become outwardly religious without an inward reality to spiritual heart disease. So I've given you, and I think most of you would say, Pastor, we get the point. We don't want heart disease. We see the dangers. We also see the results. But can I give you the solution? See, inward reality with God is the prescription to spiritual health. So here's what happens. Church, don't miss this. This whole chapter is basically dedicated to, to, to Zacharias and, and the, his confrontation with Israel. This is what God said. This delegation came from Bethel and they said, hey, do we continue these fast? Do we go through with these fast every year? They're getting weary. We're getting, you know, we're, we're doing this fast and we don't really know why we're doing it. And God said, are you doing it for, for me or are you doing it for each other? Why, why are you doing this? And then Zechariah goes into detail about how to avoid heart disease. And it kind of gives us some things in Zechariah chapter 7. The first one is this, inward reality means living unto the Lord, not for oneself. So this is the, the, the converse of what the people were doing and reported in verses 5 and 6. Instead of fasting and feasting for them, they should have been doing it for the Lord. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, whether you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Paul said that to the church at Corinth, hey, whatever you're doing, whether you're taking the Lord's Supper, whether you're eating a meal, whether you're doing these things, hey, do all for the glory of God. Hey, when we sing, we ought to sing for the glory of God. When we preach, we ought to preach for the glory of God. When we parent, we ought to parent for the glory of God. When we do anything, it should not be for man's applause. It should be for God's touch on our life and his blessing and his glory. So we see that there is an inward reality means living unto the Lord. We are doing it for God and not doing it for man. Here's the second thing. Inward reality with God results in outward obedience in our relationships with people. Church, look me in my eyes before I close. You cannot be wrong with people and right with God. Look at me again. You cannot be wrong with people and right with God. Can I show you the verse? Look with me in, let's just start in verse number 8, Zechariah chapter 7 and verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment and show mercy. Now this is the, the preacher. This is Zechariah preaching. Execute true judgment and show mercy and compassions every man to his what? Say it again. One, two, three. One, two, three. Not till everybody says it. One, two, three. Brother. I want you to get it. It's how we're treating each other. Executing true judgment and showing mercy and compassions 
every man to his own brother. But it doesn't stop there. Look at verse number 10. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil against his what? Brother. In your heart. Let me say this. Inward reality with God results in outward obedience in our relationships with God. Those who walk with God in a heart of devotion should dispense true justice, kindness, compassion to his brother. They should not oppress widows, orphans, strangers, or the poor. They should not devise evil in their hearts against another. Let me say this. If you are doing those things, if you are treating your brother wrongly, if you have bitterness in your heart toward your brother or your sister or your neighbor, friend, let me tell you, you have some heart disease that you need to be aware of and you need to clean out and get help. I didn't say it, God's word said it. He also said in, uh, in, in James chapter 1, verse 27, this is the New Testament, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to uh, keep himself unspotted from the world. That is true religion. That's what James says, undefiled. A good Example of a healthy heart is when you start showing compassion to others. A good example of a diseased heart is when you're selfish. Here we are at Christmas time. Needs in our church. Needs. I mean, I'm talking about families that are struggling. People going through hard times, don't know if they can provide. But Christmas has become about what we want. Instead of helping a brother or sister through the giving time of the year. We're so spoiled. We got everything we need. You know that. We got everything we need, but yet we get more. And then, you know, we do, we have a yard sale in the spring and we donate to Goodwills and we give to all these different things. I mean, we just heap and throw stuff out. It don't mean nothing to us. You go to the other parts of the world. Uh, one lady this week I was talking to, she said, preacher, I was over in South Africa in a village and she said, I had this old dingy pocketbook that I took over there on this trip and I just took it because I didn't want to take a nice purse. We were over there and she said, I, I went to one of the villages. They had some uh, purses there, some leather because those people are very talented and they were making some. I bought one uh, for just a few dollars and I took that old dingy purse and I gave it to one of the head village uh, keepers, one of the uh, uh, guess one of the uh, leaders of the village and he said she said would anybody want this and that man's eyes got real big and he said would anybody want this he said ma'am the ladies over here don't even know what a purse is if I were to give this to a lady in our village they would cry and jump up for joy they would have something to carry she said you ought to seen this old purse that I had it was nothing and here we are in our nation. We, can, we got so much junk. Our church, listen to me, we ought to be helping people. 
Families in our church ought to be helping others. We ought to get uh, the, the attention off of us and get the attention on others. That's exactly what our scripture is saying here. It's a good sign when you start looking to the needs and the compassion of others. Let me tell you, there's nothing more satisfying, it seems, is when you God uses you to help another brother or sister. And you know good and well. You know they got a need. You know going through a hard time. Maybe it's a single parent going through a hard time trying to raise her children up for the Lord. And you know Christmas time is going to be uh, uh, just a tough time for them financially. Or maybe it's a single dad. Or maybe it's just a, uh, maybe a family that's hit some bad times. Or maybe it's a grandmother trying to raise grandchildren. You understand to me, hey, we, we have so much. And we ought to think about the needs of others, especially this time of year. It's a good sign to keep that heart healthy. God's word, I'll tell you what it does. It connects our relationships with him and our relationships with others. John is pretty blunt when he said, if we don't love our brother whom we have seen, we cannot love God whom we have not seen. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? Never seen God with my own eyes, but I love him. But I see people every day. And if I can't love them, the ones that I can see, how can I say I love God and whom I've never seen? Do you love the Lord today? Then love your brother. Is your heart right with God? Is your heart right with God? You want to have the best Christmas you've ever had? You want to have the best Christmas you've ever had? Live for others. Live for others. Do for others. Let's not get in this mechanical, methodical Christianity. If I were to get up here to tell you this morning, if you'll just read five chapters in your Bible today and go home and pray for 30 minutes and read five chapters of the Bible today, then everything in your life, your heart, everything will be fixed. But the Bible doesn't say that. That would be a mechanical thing for you to do. I'm going to go home and read five chapters and I'm going to pray 30 minutes and everything's going to be just fine. No, no, no. That ain't how it works. Now, if you read five chapters and you prayed 30 minutes and you started doing that for the Lord, boy, you, you ought to see something. God would start doing something in your heart. Man, more Bible, more prayer, that'd be wonderful. But we become mechanical. Well, I read my Bible through this year. Check. I went to church this year, check. I gave in the Christmas offering this year, check. I witnessed to somebody at work, check. All those are good things. But it sounds like to me you got a list. And guess what? At the end of that list, it's not for God. The list that you have created is for you. I feel better about myself. If we would just say, Lord, I'm going to do these things because I love you so much. I'm going to read my Bible because I love you. This is the only letter you ever wrote. This is the only book you ever wrote. And God, I'm going to read it and I'm going to, I'm going to read it just until my heart burns. I'm going to pray just to, until I know I've touched heaven and I've talked to you, God. I'm going to give because I love you, Jesus. And you gave 2,000 years ago on the cross. And I'm going to give back to you. And, and God, I love you. I'm going to sing praises for you, not for others. Boy, I tell you, that'll change your life. And it will strengthen your heart. You'll get on that spiritual treadmill and you'll, you'll hate it for a while. You'll start turning it up. 
Before you know it, week in, week out, that old heart's going to get healthier and healthier and healthier. And instead of coming in with a frown, halfway sleeping through the message, not knowing what the preacher's preaching, being the same old, same old Christian,